Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Tuesday. I guess it's afternoon, but the I'm on the West Coast with my guys today. Joining me from up the coast in Oakland is Mark J. Spears from Manscaped. Hello, Mark. Still drinking coffee, and I just had some orange juice, so it's early for us. <laughs> and in L.A., although not with me, um, cross town is Om Youngmasuk. What's up, Om? What up, Wendy? Welcome to L.A., although it's a little uh, chilly by L.A. standards. It's true, but at least it rained. I think it's always – I know people here doesn't don't like it, but – I. Um, it's great. It's always good when it gets rain in LA. LA always needs rain. California, yeah. period. Right. I like I like it when I fly in and the LA River has got water in it. Yes. It's just concrete. It's not not normal. Um, Om, you were at the Clipper game last night. I'm going to Lakers uh Celtics tonight, and then uh a bunch of games in LA this week. Um tomorrow, Celtics Wolves. Or I'm sorry, Clippers Wolves. Things are going great for the Wolves right now. Uh, Thursday, Suns Clippers, and Friday, Nuggets uh, Lakers. So full week at uh, Crypto.com. Uh, Going to be hanging out here in L.A. Um, Ohm, last night, Clippers was obviously their biggest win of the season. They whomped the Celtics by 20. Um, first time all season, the Celtics didn't cross over 100 points. It was uh, 93 points for them. I'm not going to focus on the Celtics. I'm not super worried about um, – them it's to me the game was more about the clippers also the celtics play tonight and if i say something about them they could totally go the opposite direction which happens a lot on the spot anyway um but to me a uh, huge moment for Kawhi leonard he goes 10 to 12 in that game signature performance far and away the best he's looked this year um what was your takeaway from i know it's december but an important win for the clippers they needed this win i mean um They've been very up and down, very inconsistent, a team that just doesn't look like it has any rhythm or continuity. Uh, there are times in, in quarters where they look explosive uh, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back, and then they completely fall apart and are out-executed down the stretch by the Orlando Magic, which happened last Tuesday, um, where Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are still on a minutes restriction. Norm Powell's out. Luke Kennard's in and out of the lineup. John Wall's on a minutes restriction, doesn't play in back-to-backs like Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it's been a frustrating start for Ty Lue, who's had to try to figure out all these rotations and all these things while the medical team is basically telling him, eh, you can't play this guy anymore. You got to take him out, things like that. So Paul George is finally out of a minutes restriction. He no longer has one. Uh, Kawhi Leonard now is building up to about 30 minutes. He, he, maybe that minutes restriction is going to be increased even more. And so this is about now, I think, five, maybe four games, four to the last five, that they've had Kawhi and PG together. Kawhi and PG have played a total, I believe, of eight games this season, Brian, together on the floor. And I believe they are six and two with them together. And this was the best Kawhi has looked since tearing his ACL on June 14, 2021. He did not look like he was just kind of feeling his way through the game. He did not look like he was just going to be playmaker, although I will say this. Even though he hasn't gotten back to his old form, there are several teams that still pay attention to him defensively like he is the old Kawhi Leonard sending double teams at him. And so oftentimes he's just kind of reduced to being a playmaker, but not last night. 10 for 12. He didn't look flat on his shot, which he's looked up until this point last night, like, you know, that like soft arc he has with the nice bounce that he always gets at the rim on three point shots. He didn't really have that until last night. And so there was one 30 second stretch, Brian, where it looked like old Kawhi. He pulls up and hits a three on the comes back down on defense, grabs a rebound one handed in traffic with his big mitt and then basically comes back down the floor and and sinks like a little mini running hook shot. And at that point, Clippers end up going up by 16 and Celtics never recovered. Now, you know, it's it's interesting. It's like you almost forget how good he is, right? That's the first time this season he scored over 16 points. Yes. Yeah. And we, we really haven't seen Kawhi, right, since he left Toronto uh, in, in terms of a, an elite fashion. And so it's just with the Clippers, man, it's been hard for me to. Well, he like, was elite. He was elite in that that the well, playoffs in twenty twenty one before he got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's because of that injury. It's like it's been hard for me to have faith in him. Like so many people 
of our so many of our brethren have picked the Clippers to win, right, or mm-hmm. to make it to the finals. And it's just so much on them. And then you see a game last night, like on Monday night, and you're like, wow, okay, this is why. But I'm. it's still hard for me to have faith in it. Yeah. Like, is this temporary? Is this going to be long? It's like you just don't know what to expect from them. And this they was can, very this is very predictable, Spears, because, like, you, they get up for teams like the Celtics, man. And you knew it. Like, the, the arena was filled. There were a lot of Celtic fans in the house, as there always are. They get up for teams like this. It's the, you know, the Orlando's on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Uh, it's the 1 o'clock Saturday game, you know, against some team that they don't find sexy. And then they end up kind of just going through the motions. Brian, I don't, you know, the Western Conference, like, I, I can't recall it being this wide open, man. Like, we could probably rattle off, like, five teams that could represent the league in the finals right now. And that's good for the Clippers because it means yeah. that they haven't lost any ground. Not that I think that they're even really worried about where they're at in the standings, but, like, yeah. ramping Kawhi up and then dealing with whatever injury setback that he had when he just missed three was a month. He just missed games. They never really said why. Yeah. Um, they haven't. There's no real penalty for that. They, they have a, you know, they have, they have a big homestand this week. They have a great week and they'll be like in fourth place. Um, you know, I don't want to assume anything with them and they do have a back to back. So, uh, they have a home, a home back to back. So I don't know how that's going to play out, but, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, do think the- there, I do think there was a feeling in the organization when Kawhi and PG were out. Kawhi, uh, Paul was out seven straight games. Kawhi was out six games in the latest like setback um, that they, they were like, we're kind of starting to let games slip away here. We need these guys back on the floor. Like they practice on a Friday and everybody, including Tyloo, thought they were going to play on a Saturday. It was a one o'clock game against Sacramento. Uh, this was about two Saturdays ago. And then all of a sudden the medical team held those two out of that game, even though they got through the Friday practice. Okay. And I remember there was like a, a sense of frustration in the organization. Like when are we going to start getting guys healthy again? Because we are just letting games slip away and they got rocked that Saturday uh, by Sacramento at home. Yeah. And they're in seventh place. And like I said, there are two games in the loss column from third. I think it's three games from third. How how many games are they out of first? Three and a half. As of right now. Yeah. So, and look, ultimately when you have Kawhi, their, their number one priority is to have Kawhi healthy in the postseason. And so it's hard to swallow. Like you mentioned that game against Sacramento, like it's hard for Ty Lue to swallow that. I'm sure. Um, But when you have Kawhi, you have to play the long game. You're really not left with any choice. The thing about it is almost that this team is built to be really, really deep. Um, but we've seen because so often Paul and Kawhi have been out, that it's hard for that depth to be able to really show up. They really need one or the other to be their go-to scoring option down the stretch. And the thing is, you're talking about Kawhi's getting lift on his shot. I mean, that was kind of the one thing that I was watching. You know, the last couple of games before he goes 10 to 12 against the Celtics, I think he was like 7 of 28 or something like that, 6 of 28. And you know, the thing about Kawhi that's so impossible to stop is when he gets to his spot in the mid-range and he puts that shot up with his arms so far out straight, you can't really defend it. And it's killer. You know, uh, it was, you know, in the 2019 playoffs, particularly the finals, like when he would get to his spot, there was nothing you could do. And I remember covering that finals and watching Kawhi um, go through his pregame shooting routines. Um, and he would wear out two or three coaches with it. And he would shoot those mid-range shots and he would shoot. I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding you. He would shoot 90% on those 15 to 18 foot mid-range shots. Now, granted it was in practice, but it was with a coach on him. Right. He was not, he was not standing there getting fed shots. He was going up against a guy who was challenging the shot. Yeah. And like, um, and so that's, you know, that's the bread and butter of his game. I realize that defensively he's important, but for him to, do what he needs to do as an offensive leader. He's got to have that. And so seeing him shoot at a high percentage again, now it's just one game, you know, we'll see. He's got, I don't know if he'll play against the Wolves or Suns, whichever they'll pick. Yeah. Um, 
the Suns are pretty banged up right now without Booker. I don't know if Booker will be back by Thursday. Um, but, you know, we've got to string some games together. Um, you had an interesting story, uh, Ohm, that came out a couple of days ago. John Wall finally made his return to Washington. It had been years since he'd played there because of the injuries and COVID scheduling and all that stuff. Well, he did play there during COVID in 2021, but there were no fans. No and- fans, right. Yeah, with Houston, and that's I think this was his first time that he got to be in front of fans, where fans got to thank him, he got to thank fans, he got to bring people to the game. Um, he even like told me he was like, ah, I got housekeepers coming, interior designers that kind of just helped me grow up, become from go from a, a you know, got a nineteen year old with no tattoos, no beard, nothing, into becoming this adult. And I think for him, he was also saying like. I didn't get to, you know, his mom had passed away a year before he played in D.C. again, but he was hoping to see his seats where his mom would sit wow. on the front row across the court from where the Wizards were. But in COVID, they didn't even have the front row set up. Wow. And so he was like, you know, I was hoping to put flowers on the seat or something like that. And so he said when the schedule came out uh, and when he was finally signed with the Clippers and he was like, OK, December 10th Wizards. And he went to go buy those seats he have, they were gone. So he said like he still couldn't do that where he could put flowers down. But he said the entire game, he would just catch himself looking at those seats. Wow. Uh, but it was it was great to watch because the, the fans finally got to say goodbye to him and thank him. They had a video tribute the first time for him and nobody really saw it. And so this time they had a video <laughs> yeah. tribute and they saw it. And then at one point, John got carried away. He had like a, a good stretch. It was a rocky opening for him because he was probably too emotional and then in the second quarter he scores like three baskets in a row something like that he looks at the crowd pounds his chest and says this is my city then he admitted to the la times later uh that he actually forgot that he was wearing a clippers jersey and he wasn't a wizard anymore but he got (laughs) caught up in the moment and the crowd cheered him like he was still a wizard which was pretty cool to see yeah he he gets his jersey there retired right He's point. got to. He's got to. I mean, as I told him, he was like, you know, in a city that loves professional football, but is really deeply a basketball city when they are going good. They just haven't had good teams, college mm-hmm. basketball, pro basketball. He was their franchise quarterback. And but more than that, I mean, this guy who did not grow up there, grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, is probably as charitable as a professional athlete as Washington, D.C. has probably ever had. Um He's just involved with kids there. He's involved with homeless people there. He's involved with single moms. I mean, he's just basically doing everything he can. And he's, he's, he's spent a lot of money in that city for charitable causes. I spent a, quite a bit of time around the, the Beale wall um, wizards. They were yeah. pretty similar. Those Cavalier battles. Yeah. Um, you know, they never really beat them, but um, uh, and then early Early in LeBron's career, he had the, the Gilbert Arenas Wars. Um, you know, the, the Wizards haven't really been successful. They've advanced in the playoffs a couple of times in the last 20 years. But playoffs in Washington, uh, it's awesome to be there because it's cherry blossom time. Yeah, The yeah. arena is in a cool district in the city, although it's changed over a lot. There's stuff there now that didn't used to be there. It used to When they first built it, it was legitimately in the heart of Chinatown. Now there's not yep. much of Chinatown left. But, yeah. Um, but um, I always loved going to playoff games there. It's, it's um, you know, the, the crowd is not like a top five crowd or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, they're um, kind of like great, Atlanta's crowd, right? Where they, they it's cheer. a good comparison. They cheer you know, for whoever comes in. Like, exactly yeah. right. A star comes you know, in, they're rooting for the star. Yep. When Kobe announced his retirement, I uh, remember he announced it in December, give or take. And I think this first road game after the retirement was Philly, I think. And so, you know, Philly was crazy for him. And then they played, the Lakers played in Washington a couple nights later. And I remember um, I was at that game. And that was where I f- started to understand what the Kobe retirement tour is going to be like, because, you know, I mean, obviously Kobe is Kobe, but like, I didn't think that there would be the outpouring like in Washington. In fact, that yeah. night, I think the Lakers won. And um, I think John Wall's mother got into it with a fan defending John, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I remember there being a little thing where she was, you know, yelling at somebody who, would, who was wearing a Laker jersey. Yeah. Um, 
So uh... <laughs> there is a, you know, look, there are a lot of Laker fans everywhere, but there are a lot of Laker fans in DC. Uh, I mean, even I when the that. Lakers just went there like a week ago, uh, Anthony Davis had like 55. You could hear the fans in the building. It sounded like it was basically Staples Center, you know, crypto, basically. I mean, there are just a ton of Laker fans that come out for the Lakers all the time. So, um, you know, the Wall-Bill relationship was always something that was very much under a microscope. There were times when they were awesome together. Listen, John Wall had a couple of absolutely incredible seasons playing alongside Brad Beal. Um, he got the Supermax for a reason because he was an elite, elite lead guard at the time. Um, and in that interview that you did with him about going back home, he had some interesting things to say about looking back on that home. Yeah, I asked him if he had any regrets of his time there. And he said, no, um, he said, but if I look back on things, he's like, you know, because I asked about their relationship and everybody always points to that, you know, there were two guys that wanted to be the man in the franchise and it wasn't going to work. Uh, two guys that needed the ball. And John said, look, he's he's my brother. Uh, we always had each other's back. We always competed against each other and pushed each other. He's like, yes, there are times when two guys who wanted to be the man didn't always see eye to eye and um, had some disagreements. He's like, but at the end of the day, we, we, we were brothers. And he said, if anything, perhaps I should have shared the ball more with him and gave him the ball to run more pick and rolls, to run the offense at an earlier time, because he was like, I saw how he expanded his game every year. And when John got hurt, Brad then became the 30 point scorer that we saw him for two straight seasons. And he said, you know, you would see him running the pick and roll. You would see him be a playmaker. He goes, all those things, maybe if I gave him those responsibilities a little bit earlier sometimes, instead of me doing it all, uh, maybe Brad would have been able to do that at a quicker pace and maybe they would have been better. And he also said that uh, when Brad was averaging those 30 points, he goes, I wish I was healthy enough to be his role dog, like when he was my role dog earlier. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, you know, the thing about Wall that, you know, we all know so well the incredible misfortune that Clay Thompson had with back-to-back -back catastrophic injuries. Um, the situation happened with Wall. I feel like people don't recognize how crazy that was. He had a, a heel problem, and he had surgery on it, and that was going to um, – he was going to knock him out for months. I don't remember if it was knocked him out the whole season. It was. I remember he had the – Yeah, no, it was a whole season. He had surgery. He had a, his left heel, I think. It was a, because of a chronic Achilles injury he had. Um, and then he had he had an infection. Well, I don't know if they found the infection in until when he slipped at home a month later after having the season-ending surgery and tore his – or ruptured his Achilles – so he had to have surgery for that. And then they found an infection from the previous heel surgery that he says almost led to his foot being amputated. And he said that he has bone spurs. Like, I think it was like in his foot and in his knee that were so bad that like, basically he, that's why he was out for basically as long as he was. He, he has had so many injuries in his career. I know that at one point, cause I did a story on him. He at one point had surgery on both knees on the same day. It was in the off season. And he's like, I need got to get both of these knees done. And he had both knees. Can you imagine recovering? By the way, he came back from that and had an all NBA season. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's your point. Like he had triple issues with his Achilles. He had a surgery basically to save himself from tearing his Achilles. And then he slipped at home a short time later and tore his Achilles. Now think about that. Think about that you're recovering from a surgery that you're doing to protect your Achilles and then you tear your Achilles. And, you know, I don't know what happened on that slip and fall, but um, obviously devastating. And then you, as you mentioned, the, the third part about that was an infection that came into that. So um, really had a bad run that, you know, and I think because those injuries happened, like after the initial surgery, it was like, oh, he's out and he's just still out. And I don't think Obviously, if you were a Wizards fan, you remember, but I'm not so sure people realize that what, you know, and that, then also, you know, he takes the year basically sitting. I don't think people equate what he actually went through. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. 
and starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Spears, you have a story coming out on Wednesday about the Clippers as well, about Ty Lue and Steve Ballmer. I wondered if you could tell us about that. Yeah, um, found out that Steve Ballmer what got like $80 billion, spent time staying at a Best Western in Mexico, Missouri. <laughs> it cost $79 a night on a, on a, on a heavy night. Did, um, he, did he get free breakfast, Spearsy? I'm sure he did. <laughs> I'm sure it was offered whether he ate it or not. I'm not sure. Um, but um, Ty Lu and Mr. Balmer, as Ty calls them, have grown really, really close. And in Ty's hometown of Mexico, Missouri, uh, it's a small town of about 20,000 people. Uh, there, there's a lot of issues. Or there's poverty issues. There's lack of education. Kids aren't excited about going to school, going to college. And there's, there's a big health issue because their hospital closed earlier this year. And for months, they had to, you had to drive 45 minutes or more to get medical help. And now they've recently just had a little small, like, uh, healthcare place, like, you know, uh, but not a an hospital. urgent care, an urgent care. Yes. And so Ty is trying to figure out what to do to help his hometown. And, and he is certainly the, the f- son of the place. He usually has a fireworks display every 4th of July. He's brought Kevin Garnett and Chauncey Phillips out and he's, he's their favorite son. He has a street named after him. But, he, but he's always ultimately trying to help the place become a better place. He actually left Mexico, Missouri during his high school years to go moving with his uncle and kind of help settle his life. And he ended up playing in um, Windhorse's beloved University of Nebraska. Um, and then so <laughs> he, um, you know, basically enlisted a bomber in trying to help his hometown. And it, they're still trying to figure this out figure out a way to make the place a better place. Um, maybe even finding a nonprofit that will be on the ground to, to start programs and uh, do different health things and educational things and youth programs and whatnot. But it's, it's an interesting uh, story about how this coach and, and billionaire coach who's, who's done a lot of things to help people and I mean, billionaire owner and a coach or, bonding together to try to help this small town in Missouri and uh, build, build a stronger friendship along the way. It, it uh, makes a lot of sense what you're saying about his hometown spirit because uh, Brian Shaw told me this great story when I wrote about Ty Lu a year ago. Um, he said Ty case came from so, so little that he used to notice when they were on the Lakers together, Ty would always bring a six pack of ice cold Hawaiian punch cans with him onto every plane trip and he was like but he would always bring a straw and drink him out of a straw and so one day brian took the straw away and and ty was like looking for a straw everywhere he would never drink it out of the can and brian then realized when he was doing that ty was pissed off that he didn't have the straw he said where are my straws and he said i know why you drink out of a straw is because these cans of Hawaiian punch are so cold, your teeth hurt when you're drinking. You got to drink out of a straw. And he's like, when is the last time you went to see a dentist? And Ty was like, I've never gone to one. 
And Brian's like, what are you talking about? Everybody goes to the dentist. And Ty was like, no, my, my mom, we couldn't afford to go to a dentist when I was younger. And so Brian was like, you know, as players now, we can go. It's like, you know, the team will cover it as part of our medical. And so he said, Brian kind of pushed him to go to the dentist for the first time as, as a Laker. And he was one like, of the things the dentist said was stop drinking six cans of punch. Yeah. And so he basically was like, because, you know, Tyler does not drink alcohol. So like basically, I think he was basically saying like this shows you his upbringing of where he came from that. It was just like little things like that. He didn't even he, he thought like going to the dentist was something for like only rich people could afford to do. You know what I mean? And then when you explain to me what's going on in Mexico, Missouri, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm taking it he made several visits to the dentist after that initial one. <laughs> yeah, I think he had a lot. He might have had some. He might have had a few cavities. Who knows? His 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 uh, his teeth are spectacular now. Yes. I was I, when I when I think of Ty being mad, I always think of I can't remember who it was now. I don't have that kind of memory. I think he was still an assistant. Do you remember? I might have been like Sam Cassell. I think it was Sam Cassell. Like some something happened on the court. I'm just laughing and thinking about it because, <laughs> because Ty has that face when he's angry, like he's, you know, he scrunches up his forehead. <laughs> I yes. think it was Sam Cassell. And if it's not, um, I apologize. Something happened on the court that was like really interesting. And, and Cassell like grabbed Ty. Ty was like looking the other direction and he grabbed him. And Ty was really angry. You could see him say, don't mess with my suit. <laughs> he was so angry <laughs> like don't touch my suit <laughs> oh my gosh i um the thing about ty is he's so like you know i covered him when he was coach of the Cavs. you know he's so quiet and unassuming when you see him on the sidelines he looks like he is the absolute epitome of the duck on the water um and when he's with the when he's speaking to the media on the record in front of the microphones he's purposely droll purposely vague purposely not very expansive but then when you peel the layer back you understand how brilliant this guy is um and how much depth of understanding he has um he doesn't you have you use no you have no idea how remarkable Ty Lu is just by watching him in interviews and watching him yeah. on the sideline. Um, no, he, but, uh, he, he's a, he's a great, great guy, man. And um, certainly paid his dues under doc and, and has about a great of a basketball IQ uh, as a coach has in this league. I think people are starting to see that, learn that about him, like just some of the, the counter moves he makes. And that's, that's the thing. Like we mentioned the Clippers earlier, if they're healthy, with him coaching that team, hey man, there could be a parade on Chick Hearn Boulevard, right? Well, you just you just look at the West, and all these teams have flaws. I mean the 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 Pelicans are young, and they haven't proven it, and they're you know injury fragile. the The Grizzlies are at times out of control, still haven't proven that they can keep themselves in control. By the way, they're on a hot streak right now, still without Des Bain. They're on a hot streak. You know, Denver is you know, dangerous, uh, but you know, they have missing their... something, aren't they? Well, they don't always well, Porter play. Jr.'s been out. No, I mean, just, just something like, I almost think they need more of a veteran presence. I mean, I love uncle Jeff, you know, and all that, but there's just something about them that I just, do, do you believe they can win a championship? I well, think I, they're talented. You know what it is? Just, you know what it might be Spears? something i think it's the same thing the clippers might be lacking and it's like you you want some like fiery leader to be on that team right like yeah the clippers have a guy a bunch of guys they have a, a lot of veterans who are experienced but they don't really have a a guy who like is going to you know yeah i guess they had him pat bev years ago but he really wasn't pat bev does do a lot enough. of shouting but he's not yeah. like the leader right he wasn't yeah. good enough to be like they need like a guy who's going to be like a leader when times are tough to yeah. kind of say stuff to them well, and why does that talk. with his Kawhi does that with his play but he right but but like Ty Lue basically is their leader and and when you look at the Denver Nuggets like Jokic is such a nice guy 
he leads by example, but he's not going to be a vocal guy that much. Yeah. It's really kind of Michael Malone, right? Jamal yeah. Murray's not really a vocal guy. Porter Jr. certainly isn't. So, like, you know, they kind of need, I think they're lacking that guy type of guy too. Like well, they some, don't defend. Some vet. They don't. Yeah. They have a they have an absolute killer offense, and they do not have a reliable defense. And I just don't think a team that's in the bottom five in defense. Yeah, it's what they are right now. I don't know where they'll be in the spring. I can't see them winning three playoff rounds. I mean, yeah, they can prove me wrong. I mean, one of the things coaches, you know, I always, always, always default to defense whenever I talk about teams. And like more and more like coaches or agents or even players like defenses doesn't matter as much in this league. And I'm like, I don't believe that. Like last year, guess who the top two defensive teams in the playoffs were the Celtics and the Warriors. So, um, but you know, you, you, you look at Phoenix, they're, you know, riddled with injuries and they, they have depth issues. You know, the Warriors, um, their second unit is a question and they've been terrible on the road. Portland, you know, it, I don't know whether you believe in them, but I'm just, I'm just talking about the teams around. I mean, around. Minnesota, like, is. I mean, Minnesota is not in the conversation right now. I mean, they're under but they're, but, but they're like, still, like, you got to respect them. Like, they got some talent there, right? You know, they're the box of chocolate team. I, I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a problem if you're yeah. trying to win. <laughs> but I, I, um, yeah, well, like thing, once cat know, once cat gets back, it's like then here we go again. Can go yeah. bear and cat, you know, learn to play together again, you know. But I, I'll say this about the Nuggets as a franchise, the, the team that I cut my teeth with in the beginning. I don't know that there's been a more successful franchise that's never made it to the NBA Finals. Like they go to the playoffs every year, <laughs> and, and well, ever since Melo showed up, right? Let's give Melo yeah. his due, like. Like, if you think about, like, the Dan Essel years and the English years and then, you know, some of the things Matambo did with them and then, you know, since Melo arrived and then Joker, like, they're always good. But they just never can get over that hump, man. Well, Two Western the question Conference is... Finals appearances, you know, over the last, what, 20 years. Then if you go back to, like, Essel and... Alex and Fat could never get over the Lakers. Like they just never can get over the hump. Well, the, the question really is, and I think this is a question for Embiid too, is can those can Jokic and Embiid flat out win you a high stakes playoff series? You know, I like I like Embiid's chances of that better. Well, we'll see. He, he lives up to he he's. He can live up to the moment. I got to say, though, Jokic was balling in that first round against Golden State, especially at the end. But that was without Porter Jr., without Jamal Murray. Yeah. But he gave the Warriors a handful at the end there as much yeah. as he could, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you, you still wonder at the end of the games, if you throw the ball into Jokic, is he going to be able to get you that basket? He, he, he can find but someone. Murray's pro you know, proven but, that he could hit hit big shots. in the bubble yeah, yeah for yeah. sure and he's he starting to look a big one in portland like, yeah. the other day yeah like but they just just like the defense and just that that leader like they i feel like they need to still like tweak that i mean obviously they got a star and some co-stars but the rest of the roster needs to be tweaked a little bit all right let's talk about a little bit about the east right now one of the hottest teams in the east are the new york knicks Woo! Um, go New York, go New York, go! The Knickerbockers, who have won four in a row. You buying? I'm buying that the Knicks are a 500 team, and they're my guess is they're going to be about a 500 team at the end, yeah. and that may be good enough to back them into the back end of the playoffs. And but I'm going to say that, you know, a couple of weeks ago. You know they were really on a, in a, in a down spot. They kept losing at home, like, and they were getting kind of blown out at home. And I just couldn't believe they were so bad defensively. Like I can't even imagine Tibbs like every night going back to his office, living with a team that was that bad defensively. I just I just never saw it. Yeah. And so they've done a couple of things, but Tibbs is kind of. He's taken the veterans. He's taken some veterans and thrown them on the end of the bench. He, he's like, I'm not playing Derrick Rose anymore. I'm not playing Evan Fournier anymore. Um, he's stopped playing Cam Reddish. Reddish had some moments early in the season where he looked like he might get some traction, but he's like, I'm, I'm only playing guys who can defend. And so he's, 
He's playing Quentin Grimes more. He's playing Miles McBride more, which is, you know, that's a guy that like hardcore Nick fans like beg, beg the, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of laughed at times when I would see the Knicks struggle and I would see, you know, Nick fans like, why don't we play Deuce McBride more? And I'm like, that's what you think is going to make a difference, Miles McBride. But, um, you know, they were getting absolutely toasted on from the three point line, just getting destroyed night after night. So he's put some more athletic guys on the wing. and It's made a huge difference in the last 10 games. It was already getting better, but the last 10 games of the Knicks are the number five defensive team during this winning streak, which is four games, which I know is a small sample size. Of course, they're the number one defensive team. They were so bad during that time. And when you watch him play like Mitchell Robinson, like he's hard to deal with in the paint. Now he fouls a ton yeah, and it's hard to keep him out there at times, but like, you know, the Knicks are a team to me, that they're just 500. They have three guys with hundred million dollar contracts who are all, in my opinion, good, not great. RJ Barrett is, you know, he's not, he's out, he's having a poor shooting season. He just recently climbed back over 40%. Um, he's had a poor shooting career. He just hasn't shown he can shoot, but you know, he's got a hundred million dollar contract. He's good. Jalen Brunson is good. Obviously a huge upgrade for them from where they've been. He averages 20 points a game. He's good. He's not great. There are times when he's great, but he's good. He's got a hundred million dollar contract. And Julius Randle at times can be great, but is generally a good player. And he's been really good recently. Um, they're good. They're not great. They're basically a team equipped to at some point have somebody say, I want to play in New York and to acquire them. We thought that was going to be Donovan Mitchell. It didn't work out. Um, but I've seen some stuff recently about what they might do in the trade market. They seem to be a heavy um, trade market team. Number one, because they have like, I don't know what it is, like 11 tradable first round picks. So they have the currency and they have a bunch of guys on their roster. You know, they have a deep team. I wouldn't say it's all quality depth, but they have pieces and parts Good of other people. Like, yeah. Um, and so I, I, I can just tell you, it, it's my understanding because this has come up with Fournier because he's, he's on the bench right now. That you know, there's this, you know, there's this belief out there that the Knicks are looking to get off of contracts or looking to get off of Fournier because um, he's under contract. How much is Fournier's deal again? Because I know it's huge. It's not huge, but it's not good. <laughs> uh, let me let me check and see what that is. But um, from what I understand, like the Knicks are not interested in shedding salary going forward. Um, they're they'll do business, but like, I think there's been a concept that they might like attach a pick to get off of Evan Fournier or something like that. And to my understanding, that's not true. I think there's, I think there's definitely a, um, you know, I think they would, they would, they would trade Evan Fournier. I mean, he's not playing for them right now. Of course they would trade him, but I don't think they feel any sort of desperation to clear cap space. Um, I don't think they are looking, uh, he's, uh, he's, Fournier makes 18 million this year and 19 million next year. Yes, not too bad. Um, I mean, it's well. not good for a guy who's not playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, who's shooting? Who's having a miserable year shooting? A, shooting? Uh, shooting the ball, but um, yeah. um, I don't think they're desperate to clear cap space. I think they want to try to find a way to get into the back end of the playoff discussion. And you know, like right now, they're. In they're in that they're right now with this winning streak they're inside the line within sixth yeah. place I don't I don't think they're going to stay there but I do think 500 will get into the top 10 now you can make an argument that this is not the year to be middling this is the year to be bad at the end but um, uh, no, they won't know, be bad enough yeah but um, we I mean, got we got Julius, you've known Julius Randall for a while haven't you Spears yeah and 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 first let's give Julius credit for kind of rebounding after. Yeah, you know, last season, um, I know he was really frustrated, and I think a lot of it was an expectation of getting more help that didn't arrive, and so that I think kind of soured kind of how things were with the team last year, not feeling like well, there he was... got into it with the fans too. That's yeah, you know, it's never good when you are quarreling with your own fans, much less yeah, you know. But he, he's, he, he's had a monster December. He's averaging 27, 9, and 3. Um, and I, I got to know him, actually. I, got, I think we forget, like, some of the things that he's gone through. Like, he broke his leg, right, what, mm -hmm. the first game of his career in L.A. Yeah. And 
went to New Orleans and uh, he actually um, went and did an interview with him in New Orleans. Shout, shout out to his agent, Aaron Mintz, who hooked it up. And he's like, yeah, just tell Mark to come to the house. And this is like really rare for an NBA player to say that, right? And so I go to his house and he had somebody there making tacos. I don't remember if it was a Tuesday or not, but they were making tacos. <laughs> and and we just sat and had a, like a great conversation for like two hours watching basketball, met his famous son, right? And just like yeah. a really cool guy, man. I Like I always like respect the fact that like he did that, like that he thought it was important enough to, because there hadn't been a lot written about him at the time to kind of, hey, let me bring you in to try to write this piece about me. And so he's certainly somebody that, you you like as a person i've gotten to like as a person and is is very talented um and probably if the knicks get an all-star will represent him but um i just kind of wonder where he is in his career like um do the knicks want to keep him does he want to stay there things are certainly getting a little better and and i think he he deserves credit for being the main one that's kind of leading this uh, current current streak. That's the thing. Yeah, I, like when you watch them, they really, really, really rely a lot on Brunson to be their offensive creator at the end of games, and sometimes he does it. But it's hard as a guy of that size in the NBA to do it. You know, it's one of the things that the Cavs fans are seeing with Donovan Mitchell already. Um, Donovan Mitchell has carried the Cavs to some wins with some great fourth quarters, but. Sometimes at the very end, it's hard to have a guy that size. Yeah. You know, it happened on Monday night in San Antonio. Like he wasn't able to get the ball up onto the rim because he just, it's struggles. So like they do need Randall to be, and he's their leading scorer, you yeah. know, like he is getting it done. Um, and he's shooting uh-huh. the ball much better. Um, maybe shouldn't be taking as many threes as he does, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know, he has games where it, where it works out, but um he was he was huge there was a last last month a big road trip for them in the west western west coast swing when they remember they got rock they they lost like 145 135 to okc at home and defense was embarrassing things were not looking good for the Knicks, and you could see that if they had had a disastrous west coast trip who knows what would have happened with the knicks and they win their first two games on that trip they go and win in Utah, obviously not an easy place for any East Coast team to go in and win. And then they win uh, by three at Denver in like a tight game. And Julius has like 34 and 11 in that game. Now they go on to lose like at the Warriors and at Phoenix. But those two big wins to start off that trip, I think really kind of got the good juju going back for them. You know what I mean? I think well, that but was then they really went home and kicked some games at home. And yes, the, the natives are really restless on Tibbs, but you know, th- this is just, this is who I think they are. I think yeah. we'll see if they make a move, but I don't think that there's a trade for them at this moment. That makes a huge amount of sense. We're like, Oh, that's going to make a huge difference. We'll see. Maybe a star becomes available soon, but like, and I agree. I've been saying this and everybody's been saying this for five years. Well, the Knicks will get a star and they, they haven't yet. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm you interested know what, in? Spears? But, uh, but, but, Interrupting you real quick. You know how I say not to interrupt you. No, I'm not gonna say not to interrupt you. I'm gonna say interrupt. Bontemps never cares. He interrupts, yeah. you know, he doesn't care. Yeah. He goes blast right over the top. Would it be fair to say, and Lakers were walking into the conversation, that there's more pressure to wear that uniform in New York than there is any other uniform? And like, so like kudos to Mello and Kudos to um, Amari for trying, right? But there's so many superstars who have had a chance to go there that have said no. They have said yes to the Lakers, but have said no. And obviously, there's a Dolan aspect of it as well. But are they fearful of, like, because when you go to their games and when you watch their games on, like, the electricity, like, players time and time again we'll say man the garden playing in the garden oh man the garden but nobody wants to be there every day 
they just want to make well, guest appearances well, in the garden. And then I yeah, would I mean, say this too, oh, and you could attest to this because you were in that market for a long time. The one thing that amazes me, and it's kind of like this with Clippers Lakers a little bit outside of their market, I mean, in the market, like they don't care about the Clippers at all in LA. The radio, TV, all they care about is Lakers. It's amazing to me that the Nets have Kyrie, Ben Simmons, and Kevin Durant but in that area in New York, they care about the Knicks, man. Mm-hmm. Like the pressure of on that franchise to like win and and it's just I don't think it's like any other in the league. Well, it's two different types of pressure when it comes to Lakers, Knicks. Like with Lakers, the pressure is to live up to the uh, glorious past where you know guys have had their championships, but at the same time. The Lakers have had so many championships that this fan base, yes, they are greedy. They want more and more, but they also have been, you know, their stomach was full not too long ago, right? The Knicks haven't had a championship since 1973. That was the year I was I born. Mean, they're they're not looking for, I mean, they want championships, but they'll take a playoff series. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and so you think about like, they have not had that consistency since the Pat Riley, Jeff Van Gundy Knicks, where they would get to the playoffs all the time. And I'll I tell you what, Till this day, of all the finals I've been to and everything, there is nothing like basketball in May and June in New York City. I mean, the weather is nice. People are going to the garden. They're feeling good. Because, I mean, I was there when, the, when they went to the finals against the Spurs. And even though they got swept, it was still like, or I, think, I don't know if they think it was swept or they lost in five. It, it was just amazing to feel basketball in the city in like summertime. I mean, now you're, go- you're going into my childhood, NBA on NBC on Saturday <laughs> and Sunday. Yeah, I remember wow. going to a Knicks game in like 2000 and uh, Vin- the- during the whole insanity thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think Patrick, Patrick uh, Ewing was making $15 million at the time or something like that. <laughs> and he misses a free throw and the fan goes, $15 million. $15 million. He makes the second free throw worth every penny. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, see, that's why I love New York crowd. That yeah. is the thing. Like when, cause I was there, I started my career as the backup Knicks writer behind Frank Isola in 1997. And so this is right before Patrick Ewing. The grumpiest of fall. media cores ever. But you know what? I love span in New York. Yeah. But Patrick fell, broke his wrist, was out for a little bit, a couple of years later, and his career was never the same. But I loved Patrick Ewing. He was great. But he was never appreciated in that city. I mean, people will always bring up, you know, the missed finger roll and, you know, oh, I'll see you Sunday. We're going to win Sunday, you know, game seven. And they he wouldn't be able to deliver. But when you look back on it now, it's like, Phew. You would gladly take that yeah. going to the playoffs every year and being in contention. Yes, he had the on the, the the misfortune of having to run into Michael Jordan during that time. But it's like you would gladly go back and take that the Knicks were winning 50 games every yeah. year, making the playoffs, and they were always in contention. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Spears, yeah. this is what I'm, one thing I'm wondering about the Knicks. So, you know, there's allegedly a tampering investigation ongoing with the Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson signing. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. NBA did one, <laughs> the NBA did one. Allegedly. With the um, 
Sixers with the PJ Tucker signing. Yeah. And they announced that penalty. They fined him two second round picks. They said that he didn't, they didn't tamper with uh, James Harden, you know, reducing his salary, but they did tamper with PJ Tucker. Um, I, I don't want to go down this jag and I also don't need a call from league office, but <laughs> it's impossible. One is impossible without the other, because the only way they could have afforded PJ Tucker at that salary was if James Harden was taking a pay cut, but whatever, we'll move yeah. on from that. Hey, shout they out announced- to uh, Chris Herring, man. Read, read blood in the garden for the Knicks fans. Like the, the, the last beautiful time with the Knicks, right? Our uh, former colleague at ESPN, the five thirty-eight. Yeah. Um, Here's what I want. So anyway, they, they announced, I think it was in October. If it wasn't in October, it was early November that they announced what that penalty was for the Sixers. I mean, I think yeah. tampering is laughable anyway, but the NBA is like, you know, has fined some teams the last couple of years. So they're trying to make some sort of fake uh, enforcement. <laughs> um, Repeat that. Last. There, there has never been any. I mean, it's not fake. I guess it's real. The teams that lost their picks, I guess they would say it's not <laughs> fake. So pile it's somewhere real. making these uh, transactions. So no, no penalty has been announced in the Knicks alleged tampering of Jalen Brunson. And like out of the things I'm worried about in the NBA, it's kind of low, but they got themselves in the corner here because I know the Mavs were upset about it, but the Mavs as has been discussed on here ad nauseum botched handling Jalen Brunson. Mm -hmm. And then also under undervalued him a year ago. Yes. Who, who in particular? Uh, we don't have to mention names. All right. Um, how can you possibly accuse a son, a, a father of tampering with the son? How do you, how are they going to, how are they going to, how are they going to do this? That was, that was a brilliant hire by the Knicks, right? Yeah. <laughs> brilliant hire. I mean, isn't that, is it, sports all the time. Is yeah, isn't that like the college team that hires somebody's dad or somebody's coach to be the right, but you also know, quota. one of Jalen's agents is Leon Rose's son. So brilliant. I, I don't know, man. I got I mean, I don't I don't want to say get my popcorn out because I don't um, really care. Don't hate the play, I hate the game. Well, the other thing is the Knicks have a four hundred draft picks. So like if they lose a second round pick, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, gonna make change. a difference. I'm just interested to see how the NBA and look, if if and when they announce a penalty, let's say they say, oh, the Knicks uh, spoke with uh, him too early and um, they will lose a 2023 I mean, second That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm sure it'll be a one-day story, but I'm interested weren't, for that day. <laughs> weren't the Mavs up? The Mavs were also upset that, like, Jalen never gave them a chance. He didn't even talk to them. Like, he never right, even came like back it, to them. They, they set up a meeting and then, like, basically Jalen canceled the meeting. So basically what happened was two years ago during the year, the summer where it was all off, where like free agency was like in August, like all these deals were getting done, like within like 70 seconds of the opening of free agency, like there was all these deals, including sign and trade deals, which you don't do a sign and trade deal in five minutes. I can see how, (laughs) you know, um, you've signed Luca Doncic to the max contract in 50 seconds because that's a 50 second negotiation. Um, when that happens, okay. But obviously these, I mean, it obviously happens a long time, but that year it really pushed the boundary. There were sign and trade deals that were done like days in advance and they slapped the bulls. I can't remember who they else they slapped, but they slapped the bulls with a penalty for Lonzo ball. It's never so, gonna end. So of course not. So then last year, a lot of the teams and agents were really cautious about the July 1st announcements. Like there was a whole bunch of deals that were done but they would not speak about them on July 1st. The agents were not returning texts. Okay, July 3rd. Now I will confirm that my players signed a contract, which he actually agreed to two weeks ago. But Jalen Brunson didn't do that. Like within like minutes of six o'clock or whatever it was, he was a Nick. And so like- And, And I think that's part of their just like, we need good news here. I can't wait. Listen, it doesn't matter. It's all, you know, I don't care about any of it. I'm just saying the NBA is in a bind on this one because yeah. they are, they are, they are accusing a father of tampering with the son. Yeah. And I don't know how you're, I don't know how they're going to do that. And obviously they announced the other tampering fine two months ago. So <laughs> the investigation is ongoing there. Um, all right. Well, we're running out of time. Spears, you did a piece on Ben Matherin from the uh, Pacers. 
I just want to mention to go check that out at Anscape. Matherin is one of the uh, most interesting players. He's a candidate for rookie of the year and sixth man of the year, which is unheard of. Um, the John Havlicek sixth man of the year and the Wilt Chamberlain. They just announced today the new names for the awards. By the way, hey, you know, it's funny. We talked about that last week. I know. I, I, we speculated Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, I mean, it didn't take rocket science analysis uh, to figure that. I, I know. Uh, I, I just want us to sound smart. By the way, I, I didn't know what Wilt's rookie – Wilt, they named the Rookie of the Year award after Wilt. He run the Rookie of the Year and the MVP. He averaged 37 and 27 in his rookie Yeesh. year. Is that, is that good? <laughs> anyway, we only got a minute here on Matherin. Matherin's been struggling. He's hit a little bit of a rookie wall in the last yeah. five to seven games or whatever. But still – and I think the Pacers would, the Pacer fans would love it if he played first unit minutes more and more minutes in general so that he wasn't a candidate for sixth man. But uh, what did you think about talking to him? Fascinating kid. Um, his sister, Jen Matherin, who played at North Carolina State, she's basically coming back and forth from Montreal to help him out. Um, the middle brother, uh, passed away when he was 14, so it certainly had a huge impact on both of them and, and strengthened, uh, tough way, strengthened their relationship. And so his sister is the one that introduced him to basketball. Uh, sister is is certainly being big sisters now. She has a master's in social work from from NC State, and she basically takes care of his his day to day operations. And she was like, "He's 20. I, I need to help my brother." I mean, yeah, he's talented, but he's 20. And so I, I, I think people would certainly enjoy the story about learning more about they, they both speak four languages. <laughs> they speak different languages. To each is other he of Haitian? Is he Haitian? Descent? He's Haitian Canadian. So his parents Haitian are from descent, Haiti. grew up in Montreal. So I'm sure he yeah. speaks French. Yeah, it's French. Um, and then guess the other came, ones came out of the NBA Academy in Mexico City. OK, so, you know, two of the other languages. Guess, guess the four. So French, English, Spanish, Creole. Is that, is that great a job, Brian? Sorry. Look at the big Creole brain on Brian. <laughs> oh, man. That's I good, love that man. reference. That's good. I was wondering if you're going to listen I, to the clues. I, I know that Creole is based in, in French, but it ain't the same. You know what? I um, kind of given my mother a hard time because my mom's from New Orleans and she spoke Creole as a child. And uh, her, my grandmother and her sister spoke it. And my mom said they only like spoke it when they were talking bad about somebody. <laughs> and she said she knew it as a child, but they didn't push her to continue with it. And it kind of like fell off. And I'm like, dang. All I know is English and Ebonics, a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> like, hey, come on, Ma, I could have known Creole, man. <laughs> You know, so shout well, out to my mom. Absolutely. Um, well, check out that Matherin story. We kind of ran yes, out of time. Um, Pacers came back from a really good West Coast trip, and they've been slapped around at home the last couple of games. Uh, so we'll see how they do. Um, all right, Olm, thank you so much. Thank you, Spears. Thank you, Jackson, our producer. Thanks for listening. So Friday, Friday podcast, Bontemps first straw poll is coming out. MVP oh, straw boy. poll. Yeah, I already sent in my votes. He he, he won't. He, he always won't like, hey man, can you give hand. him some hell from me? Yeah, hell yeah. He asked me who my picks are, and then he wants to criticize my pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, that's not how a that's not how a poll is supposed to be operated. It's supposed yeah. to be neutral. That's like I feel like I'm getting like like uh, messed with at the ballot box. Well, now, now, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, you know, voter long, intimidation. Man. Is he giving you voter yeah, intimidation? Yeah, he's me voter intimidation. Um, um, I, I feel a little bit left out because he doesn't say anything when I send him my, Same. He, my ballot. I try to find out. I go, who's he, who's leading? Because he, he, I did mine yesterday. Yeah. And he had like 70 votes of the 100 he gets. If you don't, if like, you don't uh, have the two European guys in your top five, he's going to give you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you've heard, but he tends to give me a hard time. Uh, Love he loves Luca. The only loves, no, you know what's and he funny. He really when, loves uh, 
Joker. Love when, Joker. Whenever he comes up with this straw poll, I, I, I feel like this happens to me. Whenever I send in my poll, it's always right before Joel Embiid goes off. And he's already going every, off. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and so I sent this in, though, before his last explosion. And I start thinking, oh, God, I need to get him beat higher. Or I need to get him beat in there or whatever. And then sometimes I have little second thoughts and he starts laughing. And I remember I told McMahon this one time. McMahon was like, dude, be a man. Just stick with your your original ballot. Don't go back on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him saying it. So. Bontemps straw poll comes out on Friday. We'll be talking about it on the pod. Who knows what's going to happen on that? It's early. It's early in the season. This is early. Give than some he normally help does me. It. There's a line. Get in line. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks Voter for the intimidation. <laughs> we'll talk to you on Friday. <laughs>